Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, and welcome to another The New Abnormal member-exclusive episode, and we thank you so much for being here. Today we have Soledad O'Brien, who is the host of Matter of Fact with Soledad O'Brien, as well as being a producer and a correspondent for HBO's Real Sports with Brian Gumbel. Okay, so is the media doing a better job in 2020 than they did in 2016? No, they are not. Okay, thanks for having me on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Great, we've done it. Listen, I mean, obviously they're not. And also, I would like to say, who was the one who thought that the media was going to learn their lesson? Like, where, where was there evidence that people needed to learn a lesson? Here's the lesson that was learned. If, in fact, you flog a lot of this stuff, you get ratings, you get airtime, you get ads and that brings money. You turn your White House correspondents who normally, to be honest, do the election, then do the inauguration, and then they go away. They go away until infrastructure week and then they pop in and out. Now they're, we've been in campaign mode for four years and people write books and they're TV stars. And what was the lesson that people thought journalism was going to learn? The lesson is this shit worked really well for us and our bottom line. That's harsh, but it's very very true. First, talk about how social media has gotten us. Think these bands are good. What do you think? I think these bands are often a really great idea if you're trying to close the barn once the horses run out. Right. It doesn't make any sense. And part of the challenge, I think, is that everybody's making these rules on the fly, that they have it. And it's just an indication that you haven't sat down and thought about philosophically. What do we believe? What do we value? What do we do? I always think, and you probably had the same conversation when you started your podcast, but this happens when I start a show or you start a business, right? Like what are our core values that we're going to do our best to stick to as we move forward around this show, business, whatever. And I really feel, and I think Facebook is a very good example of this, that there's just no sense that the people running it have a sense of core values. Like obviously people who deny the Holocaust, wow, that should fall in the category of not even debatable. We should just move on from that. They shouldn't be allowed to elevate their point of view. And yet, of course, we see that they've only just recently, you know, changed their mind on that, right? So that's indicative to me of a, an organization that just doesn't understand its core values and probably doesn't really have any outside of we're going to make as much money as we possibly can, as fast as we possibly can, and try to just keep people away from making changes or regulating us. I think Twitter often does a similar thing. Every so often, Twitter, as you know, puts out a fix or a change. You're like, oh my God, why? Did you talk to anybody? (laughs) So I don't think these fans mean anything. I think they are easily reversed. I think they become a talking point at this moment on this particular one for right-wing media. I think the story itself is insane. I think journalists shouldn't have been elevating a story that just in the reading of the story was nuts. Like, 
made no sense. So it answers all your questions. Social media is a mess. I love social media, but it definitely, the tech industry and the people who are running big social media companies really don't have a sense of what they believe or stand for outside of making money and getting as many users as they possibly can. And the media is going to leverage off of that. And they too don't really care about what I think is a basic tenet of journalism, which is do not elevate shit that is not true as best as you possibly can. And all of us accidentally do sometimes. We just, we make mistakes. But for the most part, part of the job and a big part is do not elevate shit that is a lie. We have not learned that basic lesson. And if you haven't learned that basic lesson, then you probably haven't learned any lessons. If you ran the media. (laughs) I ran the world. If you ran the world, how would you fix where we are? You know, I think part of the problem in fixing where we are is that it's not a fix where you just say, so I've written up a 10-point plan and everybody's starting Monday, we got to follow it. It really is about values, right? Like, why is it hard to understand that you should not post stuff that's untrue, that's verifiably untrue, right? We can argue about things that's my opinion and your opinion and true from your point of view, but there's just some things that are elevated that are lies. The president lies all the time. One of the biggest perpetrators of misinformation is the president of the United States. That's just a fact. So why would you possibly allow him to give updates on coronavirus if your ultimate goal is to help people who are struggling with the biggest health crisis over the last 100 years. You know, it just doesn't make sense. So clearly, if your mission is we're going to do our all, we'll make mistakes, we're going to do our all to bring people accurate and factual information, obviously this is not a goal. Otherwise, it would be very clear what to do. You'd say, well, we shouldn't run that. We shouldn't run it live. But I don't think that's a goal. So I don't think it's a fix in terms of, boy, they just can't figure it out. Let me hop in and help. I think it's working very well for the system as they want it to work. So with that, I imagine you don't think NBC should be giving the president the platform they're giving him tonight by airing this town hall? Oh, I, I think they should definitely give him the platform. I think it's really interesting to hear from the president. I think, though, what they're doing actually, right, is trying to compete with ABC. And what they're trying to do is take away viewership. They're trying to leverage what Donald Trump is trying to do, which is I want to beat Joe Biden in the ratings, as opposed to saying there are two people who are running and they have very different visions of America. So our job as journalists is to bring you and also help you sift through these two opposing visions of America. So we're going to put Donald Trump on, we're going to put Joe Biden on, and we're going to help you, Americans, because we are an organization that believes in journalism. What they're really doing, and we all know they're really doing this because what they're creating is counter-program, right? They they could have done it at any time. They're rewarding a person who didn't want to take part in a debate by giving him airtime and allowing him to compete because they want to compete against ABC. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And they're really, I don't even want to say being used because I think they're very intentionally part of it. Being you sort of implies that you don't know what's happening, maybe. I think they're happily going along with it. So I just think it's it's clearly about a horse race. It's clearly about a game. And it's not about, this is a really important election. And regardless of who you support and what you believe, as journalists, our job is to help you understand the difference between these two people. That's it. 
Like that's what we're supposed to be doing. It's not super duper complicated. And anytime you sort of add gamesmanship in there, I think you reveal a little bit about yourself and that's what they've done. And I think there's, there's been a backlash and I think it's embarrassing. And I think that they're, they're part of, they're playing part of Donald Trump's game. And it's, it's just sad, but I'm not surprised. I mean, I'm not surprised. Do you have a thought about what role Rupert Murdoch plays in all of this? You know, it's interesting. I really don't. And I don't watch a lot of Fox and I don't know a lot about him and I haven't studied it. I think that they're clearly what has happened with the Rupert Murdoch properties is to elevate a point of view that helps insert stories into the mainstream media. That was so disappointing to watch. And you see it all the time, right? A story is written that's about Joe Biden or really Hunter Biden. Right. The New York Post story. The New York Post story. It's a ridiculous story. And also, it also just makes no sense. I mean, who drops off a laptop, right? <laughs> but what it does is it creates a thing that now the mainstream media has to report on, right? So they jump in. So you have Maggie Haberman uh, retweeting a story that most people would say, wow, New York Post, so not super credible. New York Post, certainly more than happy to elevate stuff that's going to work against Joe Biden. So maybe we should be a little more suspicious. Rudy Giuliani figures heavily in this, so we should be suspicious. Also, the story makes no sense. Someone dropped off a laptop? I mean, it's just absurd. It's just been so disappointing. But what it does is it allows you to say in the mainstream media, listen, it's not my story. I'm just reporting. I mean, cover of the New York Post. How do I avoid it? I'm going to call the Biden campaign and get them to comment as if that's the most normal thing. And we saw that with Politico. We saw Maggie Haberman retweet it. It became a story. That's how it works. It's a great vehicle for inserting something that's either a lie or misinformation or disinformation, but getting it absorbed and picked up by mainstream media. I think that's hugely problematic. But again, I don't see a lot of conversation from networks about, listen, we get it. We're trying to figure it out too. We need to sit down and solve this dilemma. I think the only dilemma that networks see is, did the ratings suck? Well, if they sucked, that's a dilemma. And then we're going to fix that. But if the ratings are good and it gives you something to go on and also the cost of this talker, as we would call it in cable TV, got a good talker, Get it, put a bunch of people around the set and it doesn't cost you any money. No one has to get on a plane. No one has to go shoot anything. There's no video. Super easy. It costs you nothing. And it fills up an entire day of coverage. And it's basically free because all your talking heads are on contract. They're a sunk cost. So it's not expensive. And now check, you've covered a day. Easy. And you can say, well, it's not my reporting. I'm just covering what's on the front page of the New York Post. What am I supposed to do? Ignore it? Well, I think if there's stories that are suspicious or bad, yeah. So, you know, again, long way of saying no one's learned shit about anything. <laughs> so obviously, though, the big behavior change was and, you know, now Ted Cruz is, wants to hold Jack in. But that block that Twitter put on the tweets as of yesterday is that where do you see that going? Do you see that being a good thing? But after people had tweeted about it, right? Like, sure. Or just go to Facebook and read what your friends are posting about it. It just doesn't make a lot of sense, I don't think. So I think they, more than Facebook, are really trying to solve a problem. It is literally the equivalent of the horses keep escaping, so let's close the doors. And then someone says, yeah, but it's already out. <laughs> like, it literally is out. What should we do? But do you think social media ultimately will be a publisher or a platform? You know, I think they need to be a platform in order to maintain the distance that allows them not to get sued. I think it's 
much more expensive potentially litigation-wise to be a publisher. And I think they are a platform. So I think this is the dilemma of this new era is that it really hasn't been sort of thought through. And I think newsrooms also are not really thinking through. Like, how do we not elevate misinformation? I believe most newsrooms are full of good people who are trying to figure it out. I know, and many of my friends work in newsrooms, there is not these big tortured conversations of, of how do we do it? The question is really more around, it's making money for us. We got to keep getting away with it, right? I mean, that's why you do it. If it, you know what would kill it? If it didn't work, if it didn't get ratings, that thing would die. Taking Trump would die so fast. It just gets enough ratings and it gets, Andy Lack used to say to me, Soledad, anytime that you put your name in the paper, it's good, right? Like this idea, there's no such thing as bad press. It's a point of view. I'm not sure you. But don't you think we've hit saturation with Trump? No, I don't think so. Twitter is a whole different world than real people. Real people are not on Twitter. But real people, I feel like his ratings are down. I think most people are not watching the Coney Barrett hearings. Most people do not know the crazy ass thing the president said yesterday. Most people do not know this stuff unless they're rabid watchers of Fox or of MSNBC or they're on Twitter. Then, you know, they know all of it. But that's not a big portion of the population. I think that most people genuinely just know little snippets here or there. And then some of those stories that break through, I do think have been problematic. I think this is one reason why Trump's numbers have obviously fallen. He's not able to capture some of the constituents that he appealed to in the first go around. I think especially women, right? The tone is a real problem. You know how I know? Because in the morning I will show my husband videos of stuff. I'll be like, oh my gosh, you have to watch this. He has no idea. No idea. He just doesn't, he doesn't follow it. I'm obsessed with Twitter. And so I know every in and out and he has no idea. So what are you working on now? What plug what you're doing? Sure. So I run a production company as my real job, although I have like six jobs. We've been shooting matter of fact for my house. And that ended recently. We went back into the studio. Merciful God, because I was so overshooting that myself. And I was so happy. I was like, oh my God, real lighting. <laughs> oh, a person who really knows how to put my mic on. Yes, thank you. And then we're continuing to shoot for HBO. We are not yet traveling for real sports, but we are shooting stories remotely, which has been actually really great. That's been keeping us pretty busy. We've got four shows, four series in production for various networks. It's been interesting because I do a lot of moderating of conversations. For example, today I was talking to Nicole Hannah-Jones about the 1619 project. A lot of being a cable TV anchor is like knowing how to talk to people uh, as if they're in the room with you and they're not. And so I become, uh, I do a lot of that and I, I really enjoy it. So our goal for our company, we have 13 full-time employees, was just to keep everybody employed. Like we're going to get through this pandemic and we're going to keep everyone in their job. And so far the production has come back, thank God. And we're busy with a lot of stuff. We launch our podcast next week, which just is a look at kind of the people around politics and not just raw politics, which I find really annoying. So super, super busy, but mostly trying to help everybody who I'm responsible for, whether it's my children or my staff, to get through a pandemic and make sure we come out the other side feeling like we're a little bit better. That is so great. I'm so happy you're doing that. Thank you so much, Soledad. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I'm so happy to talk to you. On that note, we'll wrap up this episode of The New Abnormal from The Daily Beast. In future episodes, we'll be talking with smart folks from The Daily Beast and beyond from media, culture, politics, and science who will help us understand what's happening to our country 
and the world. We hope you'll subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and share the show on social media. We're just getting started and don't want you to miss an episode. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm Molly Jongfast, and he's the Rick Wilson. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.